Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s, people. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, I'm bringing back Brian Sanders of the social media account and future film called Food Lies. It'll blow your mind. We discuss everything from fat acceptance to eating bugs and how it is all compromising your good health. You'll get to meet him right after this. If you've listened to my podcast anytime at all, you know that I am team Akles Carpet One. I've been a customer there a long time, but I love it now that I've been telling you people about it and you people are shopping at Akles Carpet One. Now, Central Arkansas listeners will know about the three beautiful stores they have, the one in what we call Maumel, but that's technically North Little Rock, has just been redone. It's a wow of a store. But for the person who's listening right now, who's building a house, okay, and his name is Darren. That's my producer. Darren is now a lifelong customer at Akles Carpet One because of the great service. He said they beat all the big box stores on price, selection, all the things. That's why I've been telling you for so long. I'm not making this up. They will tell you they beat the big box store prices and they do it every day. Are you looking for carpet, flooring, maybe new cabinets for the kitchen, the bathroom? You need tile, a backsplash, get my drift. Oh, and carpet, they got a ton of that too. Check them out by going to aclescarpet1.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, so Brian Sanders, let's get caught up. The last time you were on, you kind of told us what was going on with Food Lies, your documentary. That was about nine or ten months ago. Surely by now we can see it either on our device or a big screen, right? Oh, I wish. You can see the intro. You right. can see the intro on the Food Lies YouTube channel. Definitely check that out. It took us over a year to make. It's handmade. Every scene basically was made by us. And yeah, it's just a huge project. It turned into a six-part series. I don't think it was a six-part oh, series no. back when we last talked. No, 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 no. So why is this? So you've been working on this for how many years? Uh, over five years. Okay. And why is it such an arduous process? Mainly because of money or is it because of pushback? Uh, it's mainly because of money and we we don't have the crew. I mean, a Netflix series, we're trying to get it on Netflix. We have people interested to help us do that. But it would be multi-million dollar production with, you know, 15, 20 people working on it. All it, all we have is a couple hundred thousand dollars that we've got from Indiegogo and me and my one friend. So. I mean, he happens to be an amazing director, editor, you know what I mean? He's not just a random friend, but it's a huge undertaking. So basically, we just work on every day. We do have people doing the custom score. We have a composer. We have a guy doing the motion graphics, and we have some other writing help. But we just work on it every day to, I mean, it, it's excruciating how long this stuff takes to get every single study, every graphic. So you know, we, we have the script, we have it written out, it's changed five times. We keep rewriting it, it keeps getting better. And, th but then we have to get every study to back up everything we say. And then we have all the motion graphics on screen where not only is it just a documentary, it's 
well, it's more. I don't even know what to call it. It it has all this information and science and graphics and uh, statistics and studies and so many things to do. That's why it's taking so long. And I, I mean, it's it's good that it's taking so long because it's evolved. It's the longest pregnancy on record. We'll just say that. The longest yeah. movie-making pregnancy on record. But it's a grassroots effort, so it's a little different than if um, a studio in L.A. and Steven Spielberg was behind it, then it would get green-lighted. Plus, we have to remember, Brian, that you are saying things that are not what the common, <laughs> not what big pharma and big food are pushing. So let's just go back over. I know about the film or now the series, mm-hmm. um, what it entails. But tell people listening, if they didn't hear your original appearance on my podcast, what you're doing and and how your eyes have been opened. Yeah, well, it started with losing my parents about nine years ago. And so I went on my own health journey because I was just becoming like the average American and getting a dad bod and having all these problems with my health. And then I saw my parents' health and they were just victims of the chronic disease that everyone has. And they kind of just went along their life thinking that this they were normal because they were normal, but it's just not how humans should live. And then they just ended up with the quote, normal diseases like Alzheimer's and cancer. And, I, and looking back, I now know they had prediabetes and no one told them. Actually, the CDC even says eight out of 10 people with prediabetes don't know it. So that's they shocking. they realize that no, no one's catching this, but there's no one's doing anything about it. It's crazy. Doctors don't even know what to look for. They're not testing like their fasting insulin levels, or they right. don't even the fasting glucose. They're like, oh well, you're like one nineteen. That's fine. And it's like it, it's only a problem if you're one twenty. I'm like one nineteen no, is insane. If you're insane. waking, <laughs> yeah. So we're not even recognizing these things. People are going along their lives, just getting more and more medications, having more and more problems. We think. It's normal because that's what our society is now. It's just a bunch of sick people that normalize disease and being overweight is even normalized with the fat acceptance movement. They're trying to say that being overweight is perfectly fine. And so we actually push back against that. We can go into that, but we have a, I actually just reviewed a section of the film about that. And we show, this is basic science, that being overweight is not healthy. This is well known. Basically, any chronic disease you can look at in the literature, as your weight or excess fat goes up, your mortality goes up, right? More, you, you die sooner or you have more complications or you have more likelihood of, of chronic disease. It's, it's very clear. So got off a little tangent, but the film yeah, in general perfect. is covering all these things. I'll, I'll do my recap first before we jump into anything. But the film turned into a six-part series. It was the idea was to tell the entire story of what humans should eat, how we, how can we be healthy, and to do that, it's taken five years and it takes six episodes to do it. And just to throw it out there, James Cameron, with all his money and Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Game Changers took seven years to make, and they okay. had millions of dollars. There you go. I mean, this is how documentaries yeah. go. Like I, I yeah. know many. The average length is five years. So, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, and I mean, unless it's just like. Netflix was like, okay, let's do a documentary on X. And then it's like, here's your budget and you have one year. And then you just make it in one year and it's fine. Usually it's the opposite. It's people on a passion project taking five to seven years to do it. So we're right on track. But 
we, we needed to tell the whole story of what to eat. So we have to go back to like, well, how does the human body even work? You know, like what, what did we eat throughout history? You know, animal foods were so important to humans for hundreds of thousands of years. And it, it changed the shape of our bodies and our brains and our digestive systems. So we need to go back. We need to tell the story of the agricultural revolution and like what happened. And it's like, well, when we started eating all these grains and, you know, 12,000 years ago, uh, we actually got shorter and our brains got smaller and we had more disease and all this stuff happened. So people don't understand They're like, oh, eat your whole grains. You're like, well, that this is, this is just filler food. It's almost like slave food for people building the pyramids that uh, allowed people to survive, but not give them proper nutrition. And we're, so we're still, it's almost like the same paradigm where we have the people at the top and these government organizations and even like world organizations pushing these messages that we should just be eating all the whole grains and you know avoiding meat this is just the same type of stuff that like keeps people alive but it doesn't make them healthy and it it's just super obviously not nutritionally sound advice and so yeah we have to go back to the agricultural revolution to see how humans actually got worse worse health worse stature worse brain size even since we started eating all these grains and so then, yeah, then we go through the modern science and all the bad science that's been done in the past, say, 100 years. And then it kind of moves on into like, what, so what should we eat? You know, putting this picture together, looking at all the nutrition science and all the different evidence from different doctors and different things like that. And then we get into regenerative agriculture as the last section of how do we grow these animals correctly and sustainably and even regeneratively. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. One thing, just as you mentioned in the beginning, the fat acceptance that has occurred um, makes us look like the bad guys because we're the haters, because we're not allowing Lizzo to be morbidly obese because she said, I'm healthy. And, you know, she calls them the skinny bitches, you know, the skinny girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's disparaging to them, which, and I'm not saying skinny's healthy. They're, I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. a definition. We talk that, about that too. Yeah, there, there. That's not my definition either. Um, but when we start looking at things, you know, and maybe because Lizzo, when she was on David Letterman um, on his show, I think that's where I saw her talk defend her. It's morbid obesity. Let's call mm-hmm. it like it is. We'll probably get shadow banned because mm-hmm. I'm calling her overweight, but she is because she's proud of it. Um, yet when we start looking at the markers I think are important, thanks to people like Dr. Ben Bickman, who's taught me about fasting insulin, totally changed my life, totally changed my life. And Mm -hmm. my goal is to get mine. It was 1.1 when I tested it a month ago, which is the lowest my healthcare provider's ever seen. My C-reactive protein is low. Those are the things we need to talk about because you know what? The type of diet I eat, my cholesterol is high, but I'm telling you, that's why I think she was defending. I think she said her blood pressure was fine and maybe her cholesterol, but those aren't the markers we look at. So in fat acceptance being one thing, but what do you look at, Brian, on your own lab work, if you even have it, or what you think are good markers for good health? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so there's so many. What's What's cool and what's been done throughout history was just you could just see good health with your own two eyes. And it was like a good body composition and it was being able to 
say, walk up two flights of stairs and not be winded. Right. You know, it's like I, I like to ask the fat acceptance people if they can walk up two flights Good. of stairs and not yes. be winded. That's a very easy sign of health mm -hmm. that doctors I know consider. Right. So you can look at someone, you can look at so many things, right? The humans have been looking at other people for mating purposes or for, you know, even tribal purposes. Do I want to be a part of these people's tribe or like are these people? And if they are slow, tired, you know, bad skin, bad like problems, they're, they're not going to be, you know, good to either mate with or live with. So, mm -hmm. so you could, yeah, you could do a lot just by looking at someone. Mm -hmm. But to go into the stuff, you mentioned some of the big ones, fasting, insulin. CRP is huge because the, this is also in the literature. It's This is C-reactive protein. It's a sign of inflammation. So if you are overweight, you're carrying all this excess weight. It's basically inflamed tissue. You, you can just easily see that this is bad and that the higher CRP, the higher inflammation, the more disease. Like, And it's all related to just carrying excess body fat and just basically eating the wrong foods. Uh, so that's good. Uh, cholesterol is a, a rabbit hole, but I think there's a big difference between the the general sense of cholesterol where they just look at overall cholesterol or they look at LDL specifically. And then they think that if someone has like a high LDL cholesterol, that, that that's necessarily bad. That is not true. So what I look at, because I do work with a doctor, Dr. Gary, and you know I do interview a lot of doctors, but I actually do see patients with Dr. Gary as a health coach. And we look at the tri H triglyceride to HDL ratio. Right. Right. So, so I'm sure Bickman and all, all these mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. ha have talked about that, but it's basically you want that close to one to one. So, right. you want like people know that HDL is the quote good cholesterol. So, if it's higher, it's better. So, I mean, you want that up maybe in, as, as an 80. And then triglycerides, you want those low. So yeah, my triglycerides are low. I don't remember what they are. It's like maybe in the 60s, my HDLs in the 80s, something around where it's below one to one. Oh, okay. Right? So you want low triglycerides, high HDL. Most people, you you look at their, they have low HDL and high triglycerides, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe their triglycerides are in the hundreds and their HDL is like 40. I see. Right? That's a standard thing. So their ratio is, you know, four, right? That's like really bad. You want to get that lower. If that makes sense, right? So it get does. your triglycerides yes. lower, your HDL up, make okay. them match, right? If you have 80 okay. and 80, that would be great. And then what what's great is in the literature, that, that actually matters way more for your health than say your total cholesterol or LDL, mm -hmm. right? It's like, so I like to think of it as like this. There's all these markers of health, CRP, fasting, glucose, like a million things we could listen. Triglycerides, HDL ratio, all this stuff, vitamin D status, your weight, even just your- yeah. Sure. You, okay. So if you have 99 things that look good, and then the one thing that's bad, so quote bad, is your LDL, maybe we have the wrong idea about LDL. Right. Right. So why would 99 things be good? Right. And this is well established that are good, right? Everyone knows, and mm -hmm. every doctor and scientist agrees, you know, triglycerides low equals good. Low fasting insulin, good. Low mm -hmm. glucose fasting, mm -hmm. good. Right. This is so, so if everyone is, thinks that 99 things are good, but your LDL is high and you're eating a healthy diet, maybe our idea of LDL is wrong. <laughs> maybe that's not the whole story, right? Well, think about it. There, There is um, an agenda behind anything, big pharma pushes. And so there's, there's a drug for the LDL situation, but there's not a drug really for, 
your fasting, because no one's testing your fasting and insulin unless you go in and I'm a health coach. So I have my clients stomp their stiletto heels and say, I've got to have fasting insulin. And there's really no drug for that. There is a drug mm-hmm. if your glucose goes up, though. So, but we know the cart before the horse is the fasting insulin is what goes way beyond, way before anything else comes up. Bickman says it has a 10 to 12 year predictability on what your glucose is going to do. So your mother and her, both your both your parents, as you said, had high fasting insulin, but nobody saw it. Probably 10, 15 years before they passed away, which is tragic, but it, it's because there the agenda is well i can sell you a drug if you get cancer alzheimer's and now that the alzheimer now that we know that we were lied to for 20 years on alzheimer's research if i were a patient if i were a a, or a child or a relative i would be a part of that class action lawsuit you know that is being filed someplace because that is criminal that it was what did they say it was they were lied we were lied to but i can't remember Mm -hmm. the term if it was not factual or not not accurate it was something i was like oh my gosh oh it was like actually falsified yeah falsified that was the term it was the term falsified results uh from this research i would be livid but that's my point so i feel like ldl has a hook and they'll go put you on a statin but Mm -hmm. the things i look at are of course your weight and my C-reactive protein and uh, my fasting insulin. Well, there's no drug for that. Now there's probably a drug. They're probably pushing a drug, a new drug they're for trying. weight. Yeah, because oh, sure they're trying to figure it out. But all that, these things that we're talking about are just due to your diet and lifestyle. That's it. So you, you, you're never really going to have a, a drug. I, I'm, I'm convinced that you can't no. just cheat nature. Like no matter no. what, you can't just eat bad no. food and then just no. take a pill. It's never going to work. No, it's impossible. No. no. And so, yeah, they're never going to address it because that's how this big pharma, big food model works. I don't know what else to do. I've kind of given up on trying to make changes. There's the Nutrition Coalition with Nina Teicholz is trying to change the dietary yes. guidelines. Yes. But it's I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's impossible. It's like you're going against every single big interest in the world with from pharmaceuticals companies to food manufacturers to statins to even big ag and and chemical producing, you know, pesticide, Monsanto, it's going against everyone. You can't go against that. You just have to, so what, the two things I'm telling people now is just get yourself healthy, get people around you. You you gotta do it on the individual level. Just get you and your family healthy, number one. Two, just ignore, just realize that right. everything you hear is bogus. <laughs> just, just know that the guidelines are bogus. And if you just spread the word, be like, okay, they're bond paid for. They're not real recommendations for individuals' health. Exactly. If you know that, and then you're like, okay, well, now we're on our own. So we'll just do the opposite of the guidelines and fix our own health. And then we're outside the system. That's right. I agree with that. Um, But, you know, we all get pushback at first. One, so a year ago when you and I talked, we couldn't say the word vaccine without (laughs) getting shadow banned. Yeah. I feel like now our message is going to start being shadow banned because we again are going against their message, their message that ask your doctor if this medicine's right for you. And we're saying, no, 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 no. Go eat another steak. Go eat two more eggs and put some butter on it and call me in two weeks, you know. (laughs) So when, when Nicole Kidman is eating bugs and there are so many um, social media 
channels that were covering that in the last, mm-hmm. you know, sometime this summer, and this is 2022 when we're recording this. And then uh, Kim Kardashian is eating Beyond Burger. You well, know, she's not even eating it. If you notice, she didn't even take a bite. It was, yeah. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. So that, obviously, they are virtue signaling that you are a better human if you eat a bug, if you eat a cricket, or if you eat plastic meat. Because it's not even, there's nothing about it that's real, except the mm-hmm. box it comes in, right? Mm-hmm. But that is, that's touted, and that's put at the, that's the headline of the story, not the fact that in 10 or 20 years, the cancer and dementia rates, they'll probably increase if you ate Beyond Meat. So I just feel like now our messages, those of us who look at it from in the health space, from a functional medicine, I mean, all the things that are also that people go, you can't do that. You can't give ivermectin. You can't give. And, and if you mention it, then you're like, you're on the list that they go, okay, cross Lisa Fisher off any party invitation mm-hmm. list and Brian Sanders. They cannot come because mm-hmm. they might tell the truth. So what do you feel like now that is being said that might get people shadow banned? Oh, yeah. I'm worried about all the just people raising their own food, like yeah. having access to meat. Yeah. They're cutting down um, access to milk. Even yep. like I just drank some raw milk. I'm, I get it from my local rancher. And oh, it's so you delicious. might go to and prison. You might go to prison. Oh, I know. <laughs> you have to do underground deals in just, parking lots. I just did it. I did. I was in a parking lot three hours ago in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm not going to say my dealer's name, but she drops <laughs> it off to me. And she next is getting me now. You know, I've got the raw yogurt is so good. You know, I have her farm fresh eggs. She's going to get me some beef. I mean, this is ridiculous. You, this is what's happening. Yeah. So we, you, but it's good for now where you can go outside the system and, and support your local rancher. But yes, I am worried about what the future holds because I've seen in other countries where they're, they're starting to crack down on stuff like this. And yeah, I'm worried about the way things are going. If anyone can just put their finger in their air and see where the wind's going, they'll know that it's on their way to regulating meat, not allowing you to get it, having maybe a carbon credit where they, they assign an insane level you know of carbon for this meat that's completely wrong and we can go over that and like right. why it's wrong and then they'll say oh well you've gotten your limit of meat per week and because of climate change and because <gasps> you're hurting the environment oh, and this is already happening this is happening in other countries they're starting this stuff and so yeah i i'm actually worried about getting the film on netflix or the series on netflix right. because it goes against everything that that their platform, their platform is really about just spreading plant-based agendas. And Bill Gates is behind that. Of course, he owns what what whatever the statistic is in the United States, the farmland. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas, he has a lot. Does he have some in Texas as well? Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah. And so that, you know, I guess he's going to raise uh, crickets for us to eat and uh, fake. So I don't even know. I mean, I don't even, ugh, it just grosses me out, um, that agenda. And obviously the taste of whatever they're pushing, um, is very serious. So I mentioned on social media a few weeks ago, oh, just about how we're saying the farting cows are not the problem. And I'm telling you, the people who come after you when you say stuff like that, they said that is the problem, that these greenhouse gases and the hole in the ozone and all these things, what what is the science? Because I just want to 
just say shut mm-hmm. it. But I do need something because I like being educated. Where do you get your information then to prove or to try to refute these people, Brian, that farting cows are not the problem? Oh, I love debunking that. So we're doing in the film, like what you really need to do is just get a whole bunch of the, the, the scientists and the people who look at the data and present it in a film. You need to, you know, yeah. that's why it's an entire episode because you need to tell this whole story. And all the data is there to show that they're not the problem. But to zoom out to the highest level view, it is just a smokescreen for all the industries that really are the problem. So people <laughs> right. need to understand that, that it's so obvious when you look at it for more than like 10 seconds, when you actually think about it, when you think about like, say the private jet, I mean, there's statistics on it too. It's like, yeah, Bill Gates or all these people, they go to like Davos to do their there's little sustainable uh, development kind of like world <laughs> goals for people mm-hmm. and climate mm-hmm. and this and that. And they all take the private jets. The private so jet funny. takes so- up, has, has more CO2 than a whole year of eating. That meat. is so funny to me. I mean, talk, do you want the definition of irony? You just defined it. <laughs> It's insane. And but then they they're like, oh, but we're the leaders. We're the rich elite people that hand down the information. We can do whatever we want. And this is, you know, for the uh, what is it? Uh, rules for thee, not for me. Right. It's, that's what it's about. That's but it, this is exactly. but this is how it's always worked. I always try to tell people I go back to the pharaohs and the slaves and building the pyramids. This is how it always was. The, these the, the, There's always a group of people, a small group of people that accumulate all the wealth and they've accumulated really all the grains back then it was like all they needed to do is accumulate all the grains and store them and then they controlled the population and they just hand down things to the masses and it's always been like that you could the middle ages there was the kings and queens and they just handed down things to the masses it's the same thing going on now they they get to eat the meat they get to do whatever they want take the private jets they have personal chefs you know doing amazing meals of nutrient-dense foods and they're not out there like eating sacks of grain you know, they're not eating this stuff. They're not eating the crickets. They like pretend they do. And Nicole Kidman does a little thing yeah, to right. do the propaganda. She's not eating that stuff. She's eating yeah. like a wild caught salmon, you know, from right. like a pristine water source that she gets for, you know, $40 a pound. Right. And then a private chef cooks it. So that's right, man. Okay. So I got off track here. So the, <laughs> it's just know that it's a big smokescreen. It's the biggest scapegoat. It's, it's like laughable. When you even look at the numbers of the, it's 90% is big industry. It's everything else. And then 10% maybe is sort of food production. And out of that food production, a lot of it is just plant food production, monocrop stuff. It takes a huge toll on the environment. And then you could go down to, oh, 4%, you know, is animal production. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's always going to be a toll on the environment to grow food for us. It's a pretty small toll. It's like one of the, uh, most important things is our nutrition and growing amazing protein sources of protein and fat that humans can use and and yeah there there is some sort of you know carbon impact but it's way lower than even plant foods or everything else that this is a problem and so i'll do one more little thing that people can understand without having to open up all the studies and and know that it's all bogus the the animals were always around there was actually more volume or, and weight of animals, grazing animals, ruminant animals, those are the ones like cows with four stomachs eating the grasses. Right. For all of history, 
there was way more volume of animals than now, even with all of the factory farms and all the cows out there and all the chickens, you know, this is bad. You know, there's, you know, the chickens in the warehouses being grown and the pigs in the warehouses, not good. You know, vegans always say, oh, there's a billion animals stuck. Yeah, not good. They're they're not raised well, the pigs and the chickens mainly. Right. Yeah. And the cows, well, at least all cows spend the first two thirds of their life on grass, on pasture. Oh, they do even the farm, even the... Even the feedlot. The feedlot. Yes. Okay. Because how it works, it's a cow-calf operation that, you know, it's like the baby, the calves have to be with their mom and they're on grass. That's and right. Then the last one third of their life, most of the animals do go to feedlots, but they're still outdoors. They're just like on mud. You know, okay. it's not ideal at all. And they get, you know, they get a lot of leftover products. It's actually pretty efficient, really. It's we yeah. take leftover grains and different corn from ethanol and then we, they get to feed them. It's not great, again, but they're not in a cage. Cows are not in a cage. That's not how it works. Pigs right. and chickens, yeah, that's, they're indoors. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the point I was trying to make, though, is about the grazing animals. There was always grazing animals. There was always animals producing methane for all of history. Okay. Giant animals. There's megafauna mm-hmm. that roamed North America, gigantic, like 10 times bigger than a cow, mm-hmm. doing all the burping. It's actually mostly burping. <laughs> they, not a problem. Not a problem at all. They, it actually helps the, they, them grazing, helps the land. It helps the soil. It helps right. the grasses grow. It's why we have grasses. It's why we have amazing soil that we're now exploiting for monocrops. It's because for hundreds of thousands of years, this soil was enriched by their manure and by them grazing it and moving along and coming back and you know uh-huh. doing this harmonious cycle that nature knows how to do. And so the methane that they produce, it is part of this cycle. It just, they belch it out, it goes up into the air, it turns into CO2, it breaks down in 10 years and comes back down to CO2 that feeds the grasses, it's a good thing. And, this, and then the, they eat the grass and it goes, it's just continuous cycle and it's above ground Right, you can just imagine the Earth and the atmosphere, and it's just it's just going in a circle up there. Okay, the what what the real problem is is all the fossil fuel extraction that is ninety percent of big industry and all the other things that are the problem. Where they're digging stuff up, they're di- digging carbon up from the ground, basically in you know different fossil fuels and all that, and it's a one way street up into the atmosphere. Right, so it's oh. all this new carbon that has been buried for whatever amount of years. And they're burning it and putting it up in the atmosphere. That's the problem. That's this one-way street. And yes, we can do something about that. And you know, you don't want just like pollution, you know, particulates just being thrown in the atmosphere. CO2 is another story because CO2 is actually good for life. Plants breathe right. CO2. It's part of the right? cycle, right? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, the whole climate stuff is a whole can of worms that you can't get into. But I just really push back on a lot of it because. It, 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 I think it is just pushing another agenda that's going towards oh. the carbon credit agenda. Uh, but I, absolutely. But I always say, but I'm like, there, there is, I mean, everyone knows we don't want to just be dumping toxic sludge into a river, right? right? So there is, and you don't want to just like be burning stuff and throwing it in the atmosphere. There definitely is some problems with that. But a lot of the climate stuff seems like another agenda where they're just like, oh, CO2 and this and that. You know what I mean? There's, it's it's just a nuanced topic, but what I do know is that the the methane is not the problem from the animals, and it's uh it's a natural cycle that's always been happening. 
Hey kids, let me take a moment right now just to introduce myself. For those of you new to the Lisa Fisher Said Empire, well, I mean, I hope it's an empire someday. Um, I'll tell you that I'm a certified health coach and how I got here. I started taking classes in 2020. Yeah, when the world was falling apart, we wanted to know more about health. I started taking classes online with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York. Great way to do that. Great way to partner with the school with outstanding success, outstanding reputation. Dr. Mark Hyman comes and speaks. Dr. Weil comes and speaks. You have these guest lecturers and then you have PhDs and other people who are advanced in their particular study to help you equip people to have better health. Now, no medical advice is given as a health coach, but you can partner with people who are wondering, what can I do to overcome blank? And it's really exciting when that breakthrough happens and it's because you got the knowledge from IIN. For more information, go to the show notes. You can find out more and you could start the rest of your life. You could start changing it today with IIN. And if you look to people like Bill Gates, um, he has bigger boobs than I do. I mean, he has oh. a gut. He, he, that's embarrassing for him to be parading around pontificating what I should be doing with my diet. And he looks like that. No, thanks. That, that's not a good um, poster child. Same thing. Elon Musk looks terrible. I mean, they just, and I don't know what Elon Musk eats, but it just shows that the rich sometimes don't, having a lot of money doesn't mean you're the healthiest. Absolutely. It shows us too that really, and we're going to go into the way you eat, the way you and I eat, and I, I'm not a hundred percent like you are, and it's really, you're really inspiring, but it's really the most affordable way because this is what people ask me all the time as a coaching client mm. well lisa how am i going to get how am i going to eat organic whatever or what you know i said mm -hmm. well if you stop buying the food the crap in the inside of the grocery store don't buy another packaged item you're going to have more money to spend on the meats and if you do produce too and you're the first to explain to me about mm -hmm. anti-nutrients um but that's kind of my the way i look at it is if you can stop buying money on the don't buy another granola bar. Don't ever buy a box of cereal. I mean, I don't care mm -hmm. what that Tufts University um, <laughs> thing said, yeah. which we can talk about that. But uh, how do you then try to justify for people? Because one of the pushbacks is, and you eat a pretty much a fully meat diet as a carnivore, that right? Well, not really, but I eat like 80% animal 80, Okay. Foods. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, people say, well, that's expensive. But, you know, ground beef, you can get cheaper. Ground beef and eggs, you can eat all day. And it's cheap, but how, what's your, um, how do you persuade somebody then to come over to your side and eat like that? Yeah. Well, you can look at it in all different levels. You can look at it in the short term. You're exactly right. It can be just the same price. I don't buy a single coffee from Starbucks. I would never do right, that. Right. It's like five, six dollars. I can buy a whole meal and cook it right. of amazing meat for that same price. So you you don't get any of the packaged foods. You don't get any of all these snacks. You don't get the Starbucks. You don't get all that stuff. You probably just doubled your food budget by, right. by not doing that. And yeah, I mean, my kind of strategy is I'm not hungry for those snacks. Right. I don't need yeah. that. I don't want it because I'm eating super filling, nutrient-dense, satiating foods that give my body all that it needs. And then I don't eat for a long time. And then I eat again. And then I don't eat for a long time. 
It's I have no desire to snack. It doesn't interest me. It's not hard for me to not snack. It's like, I just don't want it. I have right. no interest in it. I'm full. People need to like, just, I don't know if people even know what it's like to be actually full on nutrient dense foods, on real foods. They don't. Like, and that's a whole blood sugar um, issue. The glucose goddess. Have you read her book? No, the glucose I Revolution. know all about her. Yeah. yeah she's her. great. And um, her explaining, you know, and that's another thing I try to tell people, your cravings are based on what you ate last. And if you have a high carb meal, then you will crave carbs and sugar at the next meal. But if you eat foods based on heavy meat, heavy proteins, and then if you, you know, I, I know some people do local berries, they do local fruits, and they'll do raw yogurt and raw honey, then you have satiety, shockingly, until the next meal. And then, so you're not, so I, I am full. I'm satisfied. My leptin works. My, my hunger, mm. my hunger and satiety hormones work because I'm eating in a way that works for my body. It's exactly right. Yes. Leptin and ghrelin. Ghrelin is like the hunger hormone and leptin is the signaling that tells you you're full. And people have that dysregulated because they're just, they've been eating the wrong foods their whole life. And so it's all messed up. And so, yeah, they, they're on a blood sugar roller coaster. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said. And you, you know, you go up and then you crash and then you're, you're starving and then you eat something else and you go up and you feel okay. And then you crash. Yeah. And it also depends on your microbiome too. If you're feeding your microbiome, all these like simple carbs and processed sugars and stuff, then it just wants it. It, it, it demands it. It's like, what are those urges? That's actually your gut talking to you. It's so interesting. All this new information they're gathering about the gut brain access and like how many sensors there are in your gut or that even I forget the statistic, something like 80% of serotonin is made in your it's gut in your gut. Isn't that insane? Right? Which was another lie that came out in the summer of 2022, the Alzheimer's study being fabricated and the fact that we don't have a serotonin deficiency based on 20 years of people getting doped up with SSRIs, which is that class of drugs. Now, some antidepressants are not in that class of drugs, but that's another thing. Again, this is not medical advice. My attorney wanted me to tell you, but a lot of people are saying, you know, they're dumping it in the trash because they're like, I, I knew I didn't feel better. My doctor said I felt better, but I don't feel better because you don't have, it's not a serotonin deficiency. Look at what your gut's doing. But again, they think we're crazy if we say that. Well, I'm I'm interviewing Harvard doctors about this, so maybe you can tell them, you know, Dr. Chris Palmer's crazy if you want, yeah, or Dr. Right. Georgia Ede, or right. you know, these uh, these uh, the two happen to be Harvard psychiatrists right. that I've right. interviewed about this stuff, and they're saying it's about diet and it's about Good. Good. eating the right foods Good. and that mood stabilizing and you know depressive symptoms going away. All these different things happen when your body gets the correct foods and. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. I, I would suggest people listen to those episodes. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll link those in the show Peak notes. Human is my show. And yes. Chris Palmer, Dr. Chris Palmer was recent. And I, I actually had dinner with him recently too. He's just, he's just great. And um, yeah, just spreading the word about how much diet matters with mental health in well, general. Uh, William Davis did that in um, his, all of his gut books. I've got Super mm -hmm. Gut and... Um, what's his, uh, the other he one? He did Wheat Belly. Wheat Belly. In yeah. that, I think in both books, he has the science that schizophrenia is abolished. It goes away when you remove gluten and wheat, wheat products from your diet. I mean, 
then why wouldn't every psychiatrist say to, I mean, again, because there's not, they want to give a pill rather than to remove something. They think, oh, it's too hard to remove wheat from your diet. No, it's not. But again, quit, quit buying Starbucks and the food from the inside of the grocery store because wheat is just about a binder and everything. Yes. And well, that kind of leads back to the price stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not yeah, buying all that excess processed garbage, you'll have more money. You can also think about it long term. So that's like kind of the short term thing. But I like to think of it long term too, which is I don't use a doctor anymore. <laughs> like I don't I don't use any over the counter medications. I don't have any prescription medications. I don't need anything. I used to have like kind of uh, acid reflux, like heartburn. I used to have joint pain. I used to have allergies. I used to have, well, just excess body fat. All that stuff went away when I just changed my diet a little bit. This was even before I, I kind of went on my whole journey to even dial it in more. I basically cut out, yeah, processed grains and vegetable oils and added sugar about seven, eight years ago. Wow. And all that stuff went away. I, and I totally my whole body it. composition changed. I don't have allergies anymore. If I have, al but it's crazy is I could go say travel and eat some meals with friends and it's like, oh, okay, let's try the bread. Let's try this. The next morning, allergies. I know. It's crazy. He and headache, and, yeah. uh, stop congestion immediately. People don't know though. They go their whole life. I went I my know. whole life. I just grew up like constantly having allergy problems. Just constantly, my nose was messed up, all this stuff. Yeah. Cut out the grains. And then again, people think you're crazy. They're like, what are you talking about? You're going to change, you, you get rid of allergies with your diet. Yeah. You're not eating bread. Oh, but bread is whole grain bread. That's good. Yeah. What for are you, you. going to do for fiber? That's the question. What are you going to do for fiber? That's, yeah. Explain it's so that. Because Dr. Paul Saladino in the Carnivore Code explains it well. But explain it and, and go ahead and tell people what your diet is and then how mm -hmm. you get fiber from that diet. Well, I actually do get a little fiber. I'm I'm friends with Saladino. He well, he for a long time went without fiber, and you can get you can produce your body can produce fiber from that's these short said. chain fatty acids from that's, that's fascinating from meat. Yep, so that you 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 can get that from even just like collagenous bits. You can yeah. get it even from like keto, like just being in ketosis can help that's your amazing. gut like get the stuff you need. There also yeah. is in collagenous bits and pieces. There's these different things that help your fiber. But I I do get some fiber. I mean, I eat some berries. I eat fruit. I eat some fermented vegetables. Yeah. You know, I eat the sauerkraut. I eat some avocado. I eat some mushrooms and some onions. Those are kind okay. of all, all okay. the things I eat. It's yeah. not meat. Okay. So it's like, uh, I think these are just natural foods that we've been eating forever, right? Like I'm not eating all the new stuff. People don't understand that kale and broccoli and Brussels sprouts are all like brand new things Isn't that, that we fascinating? just invented yeah yes. even broccolini broccolini came out in the 90s right look up broccolini it was right. it's it's it maybe even 2000 it was crazy how new it is yeah so we're just inventing these foods super high in oxalates these things like kale spinach you know uh, that's a whole nother topic the anti-nutrient discussion right well you're the first person that's ever told me about that and then my husband and i listened to saladino's book as we were driving long hours uh, a couple weeks ago so anti-nutrients are what the plant produces because it doesn't want to be eaten isn't that kind of what exactly. we say exactly that's the easiest okay. way to explain it all animals can run away they can have you know right bangs right. and predators and right. claws they can do all right. kinds of stuff and plants can't they, but they produce anti-nutrients. They're basically pesticides that 
deter bugs from eating them or maybe even humans from eating them. And That's they do, there's phytates and phytic acid, there's lectins, there's oxalates, there's a whole bunch of these things. And they're in almost all of the plant foods. And there, there's, yeah, in beans and legumes, there's all these phytates and you have to, and lectins, and you have to like pressure cook them to get them out. You know, there's some ways to get them out. Fermentation helps oh, get rid okay. of some of these things. So there's always these natural preparation techniques that humans figured out over the years. They didn't know the science of anti-nutrients. They just knew that people had problems if they ate a whole bunch of these things. And right? oxalates, so, you think of kidney stones, right? Exactly. Oxalate, cal it's, it's what uh, kidney stones are made of is calcium oxalate. Oh, got it. So it's, yeah, so a lot of vegans get kidney stones because they're eating a whole bunch of kale right. and spinach and almonds. And, and then you get a kidney little, stone. Our sweet little thyroid, I'm a thyroid advocate. Um, they're goitrogenic. And so exactly. I'll, I heard Dr. Hyman say one day that he had a patient who was eating, maybe it was 10 to 12 cups of kale in smoothies every day. Mm, and mm -hmm. she got thyrotoxicosis, which can be, I mean, they had a hospitalizer because of what her thyroid or whatever the goitrogenic state would be. I can't remember if that was the exact um, uh, mm. diagnosis, but it was, it could be deadly. Because the it was so serious on her thyroid, she had a huge goiter, you know, on your uh, gland, which is the little butterfly gland, you know, here mm -hmm. above your collarbone. Uh, people are watching on YouTube. If you're listening, you can figure out where mm -hmm. it is. But the point is, stop with the kale. And, you know, that's kind of Paul Saladino's thing is stop with the kale. Yeah, I uh, cut out oxalates a couple of years ago, and it's been great. I Yeah, I was doing the kale and spinach shakes with the almond yep. milk. Because everyone says it's healthy. Yep. This is so shocking. It, to the mainstream, 95% of the world is co convinced that the more kale they eat, the healthier right. they are. That's right. It's just this magic button that you press. No, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're doing the, the pounds of kale and spinach and yep. even the almond milk that has, and almonds have a lot of oxalates in so them. So you don't do any nuts because of the same reason, because they have anti-nutrients? Yes. Yes. I, and yeah, I don't really not. Yeah, I don't eat nuts. And it's just kind of I don't think it's particularly healthy food. Saldino's book goes into all the details of all the different uh, plant foods. You know, there's seeds, there's nuts, there's stems, there's leaves, yes. like all these yes. things are protected by the plant the most. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't eat I don't, really don't eat seeds, nuts, stems or leaves anymore. The least protected things that plants have are the the one like fruits and maybe tubers so these uh, are okay so not S sweet potatoes yeah. then you would eat maybe local right yeah fruits and sweet potatoes absolutely and these have the least anti sweet potatoes do have some oxalate in them but the uh, there are you know the fruits want to be eaten right but then they want the seed the animal to spread the seed Right, so they eat oh, the sweet fruit. It, it doesn't have anti nutrients. Fruit has a, basically no anti nutrients, and then the plant wants it. Right, it it gets got and it. The, the seed is spread, and even maybe even seeded with manure from the animal. Right. So, so yeah, that's a general uh, kind of over cap of a recap or overview of anti nutrients and why maybe some plants aren't great for you. It's, it's kind of just shaking up the whole paradigm, and. I think that's what we need to be need to be doing because we kind of have it backwards. And I don't, but I don't think I think Saldino goes maybe a little too far in in scaring away people from eating anything. 
that's not he, he does maybe. but um i think so that book was published in 19 and so now if you follow social media it's carnivore md, MD 2.0 yeah and i'll i'll link all that um i'm writing it down um he now has a longer leash on that and sit like in the when he wrote the book there were no fruits yeah. there was no raw yogurt there was no raw yeah. honey and so now he says local fruits that are in season and so you know that's the funny thing i'm sure if, if i know you probably don't eat out a lot because when you eat like we do you can't but i do because i can still get a burger uh with no bun um avocado but then yesterday the lady said would you like um salad with that no because you know everyone mm -hmm. thinks salad's healthy i'm like no she mm -hmm. said would you like some fruit i said if it's in season and local and she thought about it and she goes mm, it is so that's mm. what i say is that how do you handle it when you dine out or if you dine at a friend's house yeah that's exactly it absolutely and yeah you, you just spelled it out it's some people the the fruit thing the honey thing you know some people maybe if they're beginning their journey and they are very overweight or they have a lot of sugar problems glucose problems type diabetes maybe they kind of hold off on those until oh, you're okay yeah. you know that's that's, that's kind of yeah right but but i'm all about them now yeah i kind of went through a whole journey of kind of understanding that stuff differently like paul did and it has been working for me is i think people do need to go on a journey and maybe you can start by cutting out a lot of foods i mean that's what the carnivore diet kind of is, is is an elimination diet and it's a great tool and you can heal your gut or at least give your gut a rest yeah. i think healing mm -hmm. you need to do more and so it gives your gut a rest and it doesn't have all the plant anti-nutrients and it's just highly bioavailable good proteins and fats then you can kind of add more maybe you're doing keto you know you're, you're adding more fat and you're adding more foods you could get some more low-carb foods in there and then the ultimate goal, and maybe this takes years for people, they can get to, okay, now let's add in fruit and raw yogurts and honey and stuff like that. And then you're, you're kind of, you've, you've come a bit full circle to quote balanced diet, but it's a very specific set of foods, right? It's not, you're not eating, yeah, from the aisles in the middle of the grocery store. You're not eating the, the breads and the pastas. You're not well, eating. And it's bioindividuality. I mean, yeah. You know, what what works for you may not work for me. So you do. I think you tweak it. I think it's I think. Well, I think we're, all, we're always learning. And so as we evolve emotionally, physically, spiritually. Right. And then you might think in sick. Like, would you ever eat fermented sourdough bread? Yeah. So that's like, like the properly. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's a whole thing where. I've interviewed Dr. Bill Schindler, who's just a really great paleoanthropologist and archaeologist and he, food scientist. He does all this stuff. He travels around the world studying cultures and how they wow. prepared their food. So he has a huge wealth of information about all this stuff. And, and he'll tell you about all the plant anti-nutrients and all the preparation techniques and why fermentation is good. Okay. But yeah. He, so he'll talk about if you ferment and properly do a sourdough, and you're using the good grains that aren't just like Monsanto, you know, like right. monocrop grains, mm -hmm. you can make a decent product. And, but you know, I think that's, again, a bio-individual thing, like you yeah. said, is, yeah. is like, I could do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I have, I'll have a little allergies the next day. Oh, I see. 
you may you, you got to figure it out. Yeah, you. It, it's, well, it's just a gluten. I think some of the gluten. Uh, sure. You know, the the fermentation. If you do a proper sourdough, it should get a lot of the gluten out. Right. But there there still could be some left. And you'll yeah. know if it is the good sourdough. Obviously, what you buy at the grocery store is a joke. It's all you, fake. Yeah. Yes, it's all fake. But if you get it from a bakery, you can smell it. I mean, you know, when you walk in the bakery, you smell it. And when you bring it home and you open it, because it's sourdough. I mean, it is. It it should smell. What you get at the grocery store smells of somebody's B.O. because it's not uh, the real thing. Well, and and I, I truly I'm saying it's fake because Bill Schindler will tell you about how they use, uh, I think it's like a citric acid or they use something because they can't afford to actually do the two day fermented sourdough. So they use, uh, you got to look at the ingredients and all the ones in the stores have this extra ingredient. You oh, shouldn't have any extra ingredients, but this citric acid or this thing mm -hmm. that makes it taste sour without actually fermenting it. So it wow. is, it truly is fake sourdough. That uh, is unbelievable. Now, what do you do if you have a hankering for hooch or dessert? Oh, so, well, I do for dessert. I love the berries with the yogurt, okay. like a good yogurt yeah. and with honey. That is yeah. A, yeah. such a good d dessert. I can't get enough of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's super healthy. You could even use a Greek yogurt and get extra protein and, you know, yeah, do something true. like that. So that's good for for alcohol. I like to I don't like to drink often. I don't I don't think right. that, you know, people are like, oh, you have one or two glasses of wine. It's supposed to be healthy. I don't buy into that at all. I don't either. I, I do care. You know, once a week, I'd love to go out to a social occasion and have a little bit of alcohol. And what I like is uh, kombucha, actually hard kombucha. Oh. So there, there is, there's a few brands. There's one called Flying Embers that has zero sugar. So it ferments oh, out all the wow. sugar. I think they're around the country. They're in Whole Foods. They're, okay. they're all over. I think I've called seen Flying that, Embers. That word sounds familiar. I'll put that in the show notes, but I'll look. So would it's you great. ever have like a spirit? Would you ever have tequila oh, or yeah. vodka? Tequila, tequila and soda would be the other thing I drink. Yeah. I pretty much would only drink tequila and soda water with some lime yeah. or a hard kombucha. Those are okay. like my two things that I've kind of narrowed it down to, which I think are the healthiest ways to drink alcohol. For sure. And so I just get Topo Chico or a club soda. I have them salt the rim and a lime. And I just tell myself I'm having alcohol. I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, that's one way to do it too. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I went to a party in austin here with a bunch of health people and yeah like they had they didn't really have much alcohol it was like alcohol alternatives and you yeah. know i was just carrying around some i don't know it was it was not alcoholic and i was just having a great time is it because the closer we get to our perfect health paradigm that alcohol bothers us more or is it an aging thing I think it's multiple things. I think there's also a tolerance thing. My tolerance like, is... I mean, I grew up in college drinking yeah. and I could handle it. And then you lose your tolerance. Yeah. Also aging, yeah, your body can't detoxify it as well. Yeah. But also I think it's when you get healthier, you, you don't really crave it as much. A lot of people reach yeah. out to me when they start, especially when they go carnivore, and they really cut out carbs. That microbiome kind of shifts and you don't, you don't want that alcohol anymore. And also, yeah, I mean, you just have less, it's weird. It's just, you have less want or desire or need for it. If you clean up your diet yeah. and your lifestyle, yeah. you're just not into it. No, mm -mm, not at all. Don't want it. Um, I was, I was at an event where they were pouring us wine as we walked around a tour of something and 
just even smell. Plus, I'd already eaten and I'd closed mm-hmm. my eating window. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't emotionally ready, but I, I, my husband was like, just take a sip. You know, we're here. Mm-hmm. And I took a sip. And I said, Does, and I asked him later, I said, is that rancid or is that what red wine tastes like <laughs> now? It's been so long. And he said, mm. I think that's whatever. Everybody thought it was really like it was a very expensive bottle of wine. And I said, then I'm over it. I'm past that. And, and not in a self-righteous way at all. It's just mm-hmm. the attrition. My, my body has just said, nah, I'd rather the berries with the raw yogurt. I really yeah. am some crazy woman so berries though this is my conundrum now with berries so in arkansas this is august when we're recording it and i'm still trying to my local um fruits in season are peaches and watermelon so i'm gonna do peaches um with raw yogurt uh for someone's coming over sunday night for dinner and i'm gonna feed him this but once the peaches are done then what am i gonna do for fruit would you because you wouldn't have would you eat the organic stuff that's at natural grocers or would you just skip it? Oh, and are you talking about like when it's out of season or over the winter? Yes. Yeah. See, that's a super nuanced discussion. It gets complicated. And I don't know if there's a great answer because everyone has their own take on it. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, and I think about it a lot and I talk to guys like Paul Saladino yeah. and he's like, I mean, he's eating tons of meat and fruit every he's single day. He's in Costa Rica where it is well, beautiful, vibrant fruits every day. Well, so that, that's that's part of the story is he can surf every day. Yes. And he can go out in the sun yes, every yes, day. Yes. So this this is part of this discussion. If you're up north and it's cold all winter, yeah, I don't think you should be eating a bunch of fruits because I think your your whole circadian uh, rhythm oh, and lifestyle and yeah. everything changes. And so yes, in the winter months, you're not out there surfing or say working in the fields like you would have done yeah. in the summer. So you, you, your metabolism maybe could slow down or it's just yeah. like a different type of thing. So it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's going to kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it depends on your goals. If you're, if you're lifting weights all winter or something, then yeah, eat yeah. some fruit all winter. Well, I, and, do, I yeah. do like it and it's a good substitute for a dessert. I mean, like you said, Absolutely. If, if you're eating a high, I've noticed if I eat a high meat diet, I don't crave it, but that is very satisfying. But I'm telling you, you know, it's like, I guess, with an alcoholic and alcohol, once you give me a piece of banana bread or a piece of Italian cream cake, then that's what I want. It just puts me on the wrong trajectory. So I, like a lot of people, just have to stay away. Yeah. I mean, it sounds extreme, but. It's it, better. To, yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. It just works that way. Okay. One final thing. So um, a year ago when I was, about a year ago, I got a continuous <laughs> glucose monitor. And that's before I had the knowledge I have now about a high meat diet and what it does. So a year ago, I had, as the glucose goddess talks about, the spikes and dips, right? Because I would eat, because I've been intermittent fasting for five years, so I would still eat within my window, mm-hmm. and then I would eat snacks. I don't eat snacks now at all. I don't, I'm not hungry for them. But let's say I had ice cream a year ago at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My blood glucose would go up. My insulin comes down, brings it down. But it would bring it back down. Well, now that I'm eating strictly meat, when I check my mm-hmm. monitor here, boring, 88, yeah. 90. It, it never goes up and it never really goes back down. Is that indicative of this type of lifestyle? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Anything from keto to carnivore should pretty much produce those results. 
and that's great. The only thing is that there is some like kind of new theories around maybe we don't have to do that for life or be like completely like that. Maybe, you know, oh man, if, if sugar spikes are bad or glucose spikes are bad, then zero must be the best. You yeah. know, maybe yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. Because you can, maybe that is the case for your healing journey or if yeah. you want, you know, and then you, you get to a certain place where you're like, okay, well now I can have some fruit and dessert and maybe the honey, like I eat the fruit and with the yogurt. If I put honey in it, there will be a glucose spike and it'll come back down very quickly because my yeah. I'm metabolically flexible. Right. So I think, yeah, that is the goal is to not be like, okay, for life, I have to have a zero Okay. peaks and yeah, valleys yeah 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 but i would say that high meat diets mitigate keep glucose well that's it because of metabolic flexibility and because i'm the only sensitivity i believe in is fasting since you know you're that mm. you're insulin sensitive because i don't believe in any other type of sensitivity but i think that puts us at a point where so when we eat that means our our glucose comes up, our insulin comes down to bring it down, but it's not going to spike and dip because we are metabolically flexible, right? Isn't that the def isn't that yeah, the part of that definition? Pretty much. It it means that if you if, if someone was a diabetic and they ate some fruit and honey with yogurt, their blood sugar could go up to 170, 190, over 200 and stay elevated for a long period of time. If I ate that, it would go up to like 135 and then come back down very quickly. Quickly, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so and yeah, that's, that, that's a big be. difference is. Right, Yeah. that's where you wanna be. Okay, Brian, good luck to you. Um, I'll post all this. I saw the trailer to the uh, documentary. Is that what you want me to post then? The intro, your... yeah, foodlies.org, okay. and it has the new intro up. So that's the one that's three and a half minutes that we spent over a year on that like kind of tells my story and really shows you the quality we're going for and uh yeah we're, we're selling any go-go trying to get Good. people to help us out because it's just us and we don't get paid by the way the the people i mentioned the composer and the graphic artists they're the only ones who get paid that's insane that's insane well i hope you get rich 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 uh tell huh, i don't think so i know you i think won't. Uh, i know netflix is going to offer us you know the smallest amount of money that's probably one-fourth of what it took for us to make it yeah but, but we'll take it though because i just want to get it out there right i love your nose to tail products too the greek spice mm. and the ranch seasoning and that what, oh, what, the ranch. or was it from sapien what was it from your website it's nose to tail it yeah nose absolutely yeah. nose to tail.org i have all the regenerative meat there and we have yeah the body care stuff we have build talk stuff but the seasonings i use that almost every day with the ranch i just ranch use yogurt so and the good. ranch seasoning, and it makes ranch dressing. It makes ranch it's dressing. actually healthy. Totally. It's actually healthy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I love that. And the Greek one's good too. And then I think I got the supplement, the organ supplement, the uh, organ meats. You know what I'm talking oh, about? I have, um, it's not a supplement. Well, so, so Saladino has the actual supplements that are pills. I have the primal ground beef, which is ground beef with organs mixed in it. So I think this is the best way to get yes, organs. That's right. Is you mix it in with the ground beef and then you don't really taste it. That's right. And you get like actual fresh organs in your the, diet. The good stuff. Okay. We'll put all this on there. We'll keep getting the word out. People need to follow you on social media. You have a great account. Dr. Paul Saladino does too. 
I mean, just anybody who's passionate about something, that's the things I'm passionate about are my favorite. So great job. Thank you so much for being here today. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.